Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Well, hello again. This is Steve Wilson, and we're still working through the book of Matthew. Uh, We are in uh, chapter 22, and uh, we're going to be picking up in verse 34. Today, it seems like it's been forever since I've done one of these. I know listening to these podcasts, uh, you know, the time is different from when I recorded it. And nobody really knows, you know, you as a listener uh, is aware of things that are happening in between each of these recordings. But uh, there have been a lot of changes in my life. I've I've moved and... And, uh, you know, I had quite a bit going on during that period of time. So it's been a while since I've done a recording. So I'm coming back to this, having to refresh myself somewhat. But anyway, we have progressed now uh, up to this point, uh, chapter 22, verse 34. Jesus is in the midst of being uh, challenged by the, um, the powers that be, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, So we're down in verse 34, and it says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Um, You know, it's kind of somewhat interesting, I guess. You know, we've talked before, I think, about the differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were always at odds with one another uh, based on their different theologies opposing theologies so they didn't really have much to do with one another they didn't didn't run in the same circles or anything like that so um you know here the pharisees we go back into verse uh, 15 and and so on and you see where the pharisees had challenged jesus about uh, the giving money and taxes and paying taxes and that sort of thing to the Roman government. And then in verse 23, he was approached by the Sadducees, and uh, they had uh, issued a challenge to him with regard to um, marriage and divorce and that sort of thing. So the Pharisees heard about this, and, you know, it's because actually united in this effort to um, to confront Jesus and try to uh, um, you know prove him wrong um, to dishonor him that sort of thing so you know they had this 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 common um, common goal in mind but they still didn't have a whole lot to do with one another so while each of them were approaching Jesus and you know challenging him trying to do trying to trick him up 
they were both trying to do the same thing. They, you know, it's not like they were consorting or anything of that nature because they still had this big, you know, uh, gulf between the two of them and their beliefs. And, you know, they, they couldn't overcome that. But they were willing to to uh, attempt to do the same thing with Jesus because he was a threat to both of them. They were traditional um, powers that be. And uh, Jesus was challenging the authority that they had just, you know, by the things that he was doing, by the following that he was generating, um, and more so the teachings that he was sharing, you know, were destroying and undermining a lot of the things that they taught their traditions and, and that sort of thing. So anyway, here we are. The Pharisees heard that the Sadducees had been put to silence. So Jesus had, you know, done the same thing to the Sadducees that he had done to the Pharisees. So in verse 35, it says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, we'll get into that in just a second, but notice they're using the same old tactic. I mean, God shot them down once, you know, before, um, but they apparently didn't learn their lesson. They they came back at him again. Well, you know, that's, that's what Satan does. You never defeat Satan. You might win a battle once in a while, but you're not going to defeat him. He's not going away. He's not going to quit. He, he's going to be there all the way to the end of time until Jesus casts him into the everlasting lake of fire along with his, those that follow him, his angels and people who choose to follow him and reject Christ. But until then, he is relentless. And no matter how many times you may ward him off, um, and overcome a sin or a temptation or, you know, whatever it might be in your life, um, you're never going to get rid of him. He's he's going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. There's no ultimate victory against Satan until we leave this earth and go to our heavenly reward. So he's going to keep using, well, I mean, he's going to use uh, new tactics, but he's also going to use the same old tactic. And, you know, if it didn't work once, it might work a second time. Um, you know, and he'll keep coming at you. And, and you know, it's like in, in football when you're a defensive lineman and you're trying to get past the offensive lineman who's trying to block you and keep you away from the quarterback. You're going to keep hitting him and keep hitting him and keep hitting him and you're going to fail the vast majority of the time when you consider the number of plays that are run in a football game. You know, if, if you get if a defensive lineman were to get one sack in a game, that's pretty good. Um, but, you know, on a percentage basis or measurement, you know, that's one out of, what, 30, 40, 50 tries. So, you know, the odds are small that, you know, that, that you're ever going to defeat Satan, uh, going to win. And and uh, the odds are small, if you're strong in the Lord, that he's ever going to get through to you. However, he's going to keep coming. And he's going to keep coming a little harder and a little harder and a little harder. He, he's not going to quit. It's, it's not going to happen. You cannot, you can never count on that. He's going to keep coming at you, coming at you, and coming at you. Many times with the same old um, tactic, just like the 
Pharisees are doing here. Now, there is one thing they did change. Um, before, they came at him with a civil challenge. They were challenging him with regard to paying taxes to the Roman government, and they were hoping he would trip himself up there because the Jews hated the Romans. They were in bondage to him. And obviously, you know, they were looking for a Messiah to overthrow the Roman government and deliver them once again as a nation like he had done so many times before. Of course, this time was different. Um, but that was a civil challenge. But notice what they did this time, because it says that he came to him with a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Okay, they're referring to the Ten Commandments and all the, the multiple laws that they had uh, derived from that. You know, there was a whole book of laws that, that people were traditionally following that the Pharisees had uh, created off of the Ten Commandments. You know, we talk about the law and we refer to the Ten Commandments. That's what most people are familiar with. But what a lot of people don't realize is there were hundreds of laws that uh, had been added to and delineated, you know, from the Ten Commandments. So anyway, they come to him and they're, you know, they got all these laws and it's like the laws of today. I often wonder if lawmakers don't just come up with laws that contradict one another for the sole purpose of ensuring that we can be found in violation of the law in case they ever want to come after us. And I kind of think that was the thought process here with the Pharisees. You know, they had all these laws and they knew that it was impossible to keep them. Now they're unknowingly doing exactly what the Bible teaches us with regard to the law. The law was there not to make us conform, but to show to us that we can't keep the law, that we can't earn salvation. Um, we're never going to live up to the standards uh, uh, that God has set for uh, for mankind. That's why Jesus came to to die on the cross and uh, to redeem, redeem us of our sins because we couldn't keep the law. So they unknowingly are just reiterating that by saying, which is a great commandment. They're trying to trip him up. It's a trick question. They know that it's impossible to keep the law. And so they're waiting for Jesus to say something that would uh, prove that you can't keep the law. <coughs> they hopefully would find him in violation of something and thereby discredit him. So here's his answer in verse 37. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Then notice what he says. He adds another one. He says, And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Well, the first thing you might notice here is that neither of those were actual commandments. Um, they were not a, actually a part of the law, at least not strictly speaking. However, it was an undeniable truth. Not only was it an undeniable truth, it was one they had never practiced. It was um, 
you know, he turned the tables on them. It was a condemnation of the Pharisaical lifestyle. Their adherence to the law was so strict that they had forgot the personal part of it, and that's what this is. He's saying the personal part of it is is to love thy neighbor as thyself and love thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. They didn't do that. Their life's purpose was to be in physical obedience of the law. Um, and so they were taken aback by uh, the response that Jesus had given them. And he says to them, he says, you know, all the laws hang on these two. <coughs> these are uh, the most critical laws that you can possibly follow. If you follow these two, you'll naturally follow all the rest. Um, and then he turns around to them and turns the tables on them once again by asking them a question. Verse 41, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Well, they say unto him, The son of David. So their answer to him, Well, he was, you know, in the lineage of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David didn't call him Lord... How is he his son? So, you know, number one, he's turning them and asking them a spiritual, giving them a spiritual challenge. They have gone from a civil challenge to a spiritual challenge, thinking, you know, this is just some country bumpkin house. He's not going to know. We're, we're Pharisees. We know the law. He's showing them that he does know the law. He does know Scripture. Um, and he makes this quote, you know, something that David had said. And, of course, David is a, a revered uh, Hebrew, you know, that they all had looked up to. Traditionally, he was one of the Hebrew fathers and whatnot. And so he's not only turning the tables on them by challenging their knowledge of Scripture, but he's showing his own knowledge of Scripture. So he's embarrassing them on top of everything else. Uh, he's proving them wrong, and uh, they essentially have nothing to say. Because notice in verse 46, this is their response. And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. So they finally realized, and learned their lesson, you're not going to trip this guy up. He knows his stuff. But here's the message that he's giving in... Uh, you know, in the response that he shared with them. He, you know, he's making them realize that, you know, you, 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 you bow before the Lord. It's, it's not adherence to the law. It's adherence to Christ the Son. Jesus Christ is our Savior. And, you know, of course, the Bible teaches us in prophecy that there will come a day when every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that's exactly the message that he gave to the Pharisees today. So instead of responding and, and, and confessing their sins and, you know, acknowledging who he's talking about and the lordship of Jesus Christ, they just walk away and decide, okay, we're going to have to come up with a new tactic. You know, they're not going to give up, you know, what they want to accomplish, but they are going to have to switch strategies. And that's their response. Oh, well, 
okay, we're just going to have to prove him wrong in another way. And so we'll see different things that occur in the future. Uh, but that's the exchange that he had here, and no more do you see any account of anyone trying to trip Jesus up. So we're at the end of our time. We'll pick up in chapter 23 next time. Thank you, and God bless.